Uh, this morning we're continuing, this is in our At Our Core series. Um, this morning we're talking about uh, another one of our, the unbreakable body of Jesus, so another one of our unbreakable core values. Uh, this morning we're talking about authentic relationships. I want to say this, that sometimes it, it just takes being off a little to be off a lot. Now, I'm kind of big into graphics and video, and if you're into any kind of graphic design, you know, we kind of live in an age of manipulation, don't we? You can take a photo, and you can do a few things to it, and suddenly it doesn't look anything like what really happened. Uh, a few years back, um, a website had a, a Photoshop contest, and here were the parameters. Just take a photo, and just take one aspect of that photo, and just change the proportion of it enough so that it just doesn't quite look right. I brought some of the um, pictures with me just so you could kind of see them, and you, you'll get a picture for what I'm talking about. You got it, Mr. Gary? Here's one right there. Um, can you guys see that at all? I'm totally in your way. I don't think that the rat's actually that big. You can go ahead and go to the next one. It's a monster cat, isn't it? Do we have any cat lovers in here? I'm not. I like that. I mean, I'm not sure if the, if the player's too small, if the hand's too big, the, but it's just not quite right. What, what do we got next? It's a lot of power there. Yeah. Um, raise your hand if you've been on a mission trip. If you've been on a mission trip, you know that might actually be accurate. Right? You step in one of those showers, you might see a spider like that. <laughs> what we got? Um, <laughs> she's happy, isn't she? <laughs> he know, you know what he's thinking? He's thinking, it's our first date. How do I get out of this? <laughs> Keep going. Thumbs up. I don't want to thumb wrestle that guy. Um, any soccer players? I'd like to have um, hands that big if I'm going to be the goalie, right? Nothing getting by him. A few more maybe. I think Hummers probably are that big, so we can go past that one. You notice what's wrong here? The head is just a little bit too big for the body. That'll increase the velocity of the fastball right there. It does look painful. <laughs> I think even I could be in a rodeo if that was the size of the bulls that you were riding. Kind of a big guy. I think he was actually in the earlier picture of the basketball player. I think maybe one, is that it? Is that it? Okay. Um, so obviously, it just takes being off a little bit, and people start going, ah, something's just not quite right. Um, I want you quickly to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Um, it's not too different in real life. All of us kind of have this ability to um, walk in a room, meet somebody, and you kind of know right away, I don't know what it is. Maybe your wife is better at this than you are. And they just kind of, you, you know, it's happened with me and Wendy. We've met people, and I walk out going, man, that person is awesome. 
And she walks out going, you need to stay away from that person. Because right? men are stupid, right? A lot of female voices there. <laughs> and one male, yeah. So, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, if you want to call it intuition, some people will call it, you know, a feeling, a truth detector. Um, I, I'd say the Bible calls it discernment. It's something that we've got to have. And all of us, you do have a level of discernment. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, this is what Paul said. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So Paul recognizes that all of us have this ability to discern stuff, just to kind of look at a picture like we just looked at and say, I don't know, something's not quite right about that. Or to be in a situation and feel like something wasn't quite right. Maybe I need to flee from that situation, get away from that situation. All of us have this ability to tell when something is not quite right. This morning we're talking about authentic relationships. I want you to think in your life, people that you've met, that you just... um, you just know they're not quite telling you the truth. It just doesn't quite seem genuine. This morning, what, what I want you to understand is this, that the world judges us. Everybody's judging. And nobody likes to be judged, but everybody's always judging and being judged. We're always making calls on other people. I'm saying, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what's, you know, and you're looking at me going, dude, I don't know about you. We're always doing that. Somebody says something and you walk away going, man, that was quite a story, wasn't it? I don't know if that's really, I don't know if they, I don't know if they really were on Survivor. It's critical that we judge well. It's also critical that people make judgments. When they walk into the gathering, they either sense that this is authentic or they sense that it's not. Is that fair to say? And so we've got to understand, man, we've got to have authentic relationships so that when they walk in the door, they see it as the real deal. So this morning, we're going to take a look at valuing authentic relationships at the top of your sheet. You can just write that. We value authentic relationships. We expect our faith in God to be firmly connected to our faith with others. We value authentic relationships and expect our faith in God to be firmly connected to our faith with others. I want to look this morning just, I mean, at four characteristics of authentic relationships, okay? Here's the first one. Authentic relationships are risky. We live in a culture that is all about personal space, right? Uh, everybody's got their little space bubble. Um, studies are, have been done on it. We all experience it. Yeah, I've, I'll give you some stats in a minute where people like actually, they get grant money from the government and they do these psychological and sociological studies about how big your personal space bubble is, yada, yada, yada. But I, I don't get into that. I can't understand half that stuff anyway. So I, I refer to other references that make the point even better. And for me, Jerry Seinfeld's one of those guys. Okay, so I brought a little clip from one of the Seinfeld shows that I think does a much better job explaining about how people have like these little personal space bubbles. Well, we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's us. Uh, come on up. It's Elaine. You don't have a problem with her, do you? We adore Elaine. She wants to say hi. She's with her new boyfriend. What's he like? 
He's nice, bit of a close talker. A what? You'll see. <laughs> Boy, I really had no idea that you felt this way about the Costanzas. They're exhausting. It's like being in an asylum. This is Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Hello Aaron. Aaron. So how long are you folks in town? Oh. <laughs> Three more days. Three more days, and then we're off to Paris. Yeah. We're going with the select charter group. I love France. I was just there last year. In fact, you know, I still have an envelope full of French francs. I'll give them to you. Well, we can't take money. Oh, no. It's a gift from us. Oh, that is so nice, Aaron. Isn't he nice? So listen, has Jerry been showing you a good time? No, I haven't. You know, I, I have a friend who works at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. How'd you like a behind-the-scenes tour? Really? You could do that? Easily. It wouldn't be any trouble? Of course not. When do you go? How about right now? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, let me get my coat. Elaine, what do you say? Well, well I don't think so, Aaron. Uh, I have plans. Oh. How about you, Jerry? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. You examine the artwork up close. Maybe I'll try and catch up with you. Oh, no, that'll happen. All right. We're off. Okay. Bye. Let's go. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good time. Bye. See everybody later. Okay. Bye. All right, so we all have um, a little space bubble. Um, Elaine's boyfriend is called the close talker, obviously for the reason we just saw. Personal space falls into four categories. Uh, intimate, which is touching to 18 inches. Personal, 18 inches to two feet. Social, four feet to 12 feet. And public, anything more than 12 feet. I, I watched um, in one of my churches where I worked, I watched two men literally have a 30-minute conversation around a metal pole. Because one, I mean, we all have different, you know, comfort levels with how close we let people get. And so you just watch this. This is fun to watch. People, if they get too close to somebody, that person just kind of backs up to kind of reestablish the position, Right? And I watched a man, two men, have a conversation for 30 minutes going in a circular motion around a metal pole because one liked to be a little closer than the other one. And so they just, they talk, and he would move in, and the other guy would step back and just in a circle around a pole for 30 minutes. They had a, and I just sat there and watched and, 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 well, pointed them out and made fun of them. It, it just, personal space is a little bit like radar. And physically, it actually triggers the same emotions as um, the same thing, area of your brain that controls fear. And so that's one reason why when people get inside your personal bubble, like your mind starts going crazy. You're like, oh no, what? I mean, are they going to stalk me? Do they have a gun? Should I call somebody? And then you realize it's your, like, daughter. <laughs> you know, oh, it's just you. But, I mean, it triggers this thing in your, in your mind that starts making you, you become very aware of what's going on around you. And God made you that way, right? So when we talk about personal space, we talk about having authentic relationships. The first thing you have got to understand is it's risky and we know that. Like nobody walks into this place and says, I really hope somebody gets within 18 inches of me and talks to me today. And if they do, you're the one going gum. 
I mean, it's, nobody likes that. We all like our own space. It's not comfortable because it requires more than simply talking about the weather. If you want to have an authentic relationship, you can't just stay superficial. Most of us, if we're honest, have a movie theater Christianity. We all sit and have the same experience, but we don't have the same relational experience. We experience something simultaneously, but not relationally. Everybody goes to a movie, right? You're sitting in the theater. Everybody watches the exact same movie. They all stand up, hopefully take their trash, and they walk out. And they all had the same experience. No interaction. And a lot of times, that's exactly what happens in Christianity. We all go to the same service. We watch the same clip from Seinfeld. We all get up. We all go have lunch somewhere. Same experience. No interaction. That's not what God's called us to have at the gathering. He's called us to have authentic relationships. Christ is not about movie theater Christianity. He paid a high price to demolish the things that separate us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, says this. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So what we were, we were homeless, we were alone, we were hopeless. And what I want you to see is this. God, he didn't desire for us to stay in that situation, right? So he sends Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself, verse 14, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He came to destroy the things that stand between you and I. Now, I don't think that Jesus came to demolish the personal space bubble. I don't think that we're going to live it out by being really close all the time talking. But on an emotional level, in a relational level, he came to destroy the things that would make us stand at arm's length from each other. He's all about us taking a risk to develop authentic relationships. To achieve true, authentic relationships, Proverbs 27, 17 says there's going to be friction, right? As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Or one woman sharpens another. And iron hitting iron, not always fun. But that's the way that we develop authentic relationships. I want you to understand, this may be the most important point, that authentic relationships are risky. You don't just to come in here and just sit and hope they happen. They're risky. They will involve somebody letting their guard down first. Number two, authentic relationships are revealing and they're revealing because they take place in the light. Um, I learned this lesson twice many years ago. One, when I was in seminary, we were um, living in a mobile home. And so the mobile home was awesome. And um, it had, like, the closets were literally built into the walls. And so you would open, like, the paneling and reach in and get out your clothes. And I was a landscaper. I, I, I like, sodded my way through seminary. And so we're living in South Carolina, which is the home of the Gamecocks and fire ants. And so, like, we had this, you know, like, I lived in this 
trailer park, and so I would put stuff out in my yard that would just, it wouldn't act, didn't actually kill the ants, it just relocates them, and then my neighbors would put out more stuff, and they would relocate back to my yard, and one morning I got up, it was early, I didn't want to wake Wendy up, and so I just decided I, I didn't turn the lights on, I just got up, I felt the WAP open the paneling, I reached in, I got out my shorts, I put my shorts on, and I was about halfway from the closet to the door when I literally had ants in my pants. And like fire ants are not just like your normal, well, that tickles, right? It's like, ah, ah, and in all the wrong places at that point, right? And so like I put the, threw my shorts down, turned the lights on, and then there were ants everywhere on my shorts. They were in the closet. They were everywhere. I don't know how they got in there. If my neighbors just like put a bunch of stuff outside to force them into my closet, I have no clue. Not good in the dark. In college, I go to visit one of my friends in college, and he's sitting in a room, um, and he's just watching TV, just him and the TV. This, the, dark, the lights are out. It's just this white glow from the TV, and I sat down. And when you're in college, you know you're always hungry, right? And so I'm sitting there. We're watching TV. I said, dude, you got anything to eat? And he's like, yeah, I got some Sweet 16 Donuts. So I got the bag. I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of eating these donuts. And about third or fourth donut, I start feeling this stuff in my mouth. I'm like, dude, turn the light on. And he turns the light on, and I look in the bottom, and the bag is crawling with ants. Which means I have ants in my mouth, and it's like that's, you know, when you eat sweet 16 donuts, you don't want to breathe out because you get powder everywhere. But when you're eating them with ants in your mouth, you go ahead and spit it out. And it's like you spit out ants and powder and mostly chewed, moist donut on my friend. Uh, Bad things happen in the dark. I love this quote from Rick Warren. Rick Warren says this, the world thinks that intimacy occurs in the dark, but God says it happens in the light. 1 John 1.7. 1 John 1.7 explains why authentic relationships can only happen in the light. Here's what it says. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Not we hope to have, but if you're walking in the light, I'm walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another. His blood covers us and purifies us. You can't have fellowship with what you can't see. So practically speaking, what does this mean? It means you, the application of this one fact is for you to bring your relationships into the light. Now, most of us, our relationships are kind of like we're dating. We put our best foot forward at all times. We don't want anybody to ever, I love him. Yeah, I don't know if you ever listened to Bill Cosby back in the day when he did stand-up comedy, but he's got this great little bit about, you know, the first time you fart after you get married. And it's hilarious because he talks about how for like you've been dating this girl for two years and so you make sure you never do it when she's around and you go to the bathroom or you go to the other car or wherever. But once you get married and she goes to the bathroom in the morning and you go ahead and just let it all release while you're laying in the bed and then she walks back in and for the first time she smells what you just did. <laughs> That's kind of how we base our relationships. We're always trying to put our best foot forward. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, he was fully God. He was fully man. We are the way that we are, and we're not supposed to hide who we are. 
We're supposed to bring our relationships into the light. Stop trying to hide what's really going on in your life. I, I can't have an authentic relationship with Wendy if I'm never going to reveal who I really am. You can't have authentic relationships if you're never willing. And there's that risky part. The risk is to reveal, to bring your relationship into the light. Allow the grace of God to set you free from the fear of rejection and begin to enjoy the acceptance that can only come when we know and are known. I love this line. Listen to this. Wendy knows me at my worst and weakest and that she loves me the most and deepest. You want to have true, authentic love? It requires that you let the light of God reveal what's really going on in your life. And what you'll find is that when you allow God to do that, he reveals what's in you, and he reveals what's in the other person, and you begin to find comfort together because you're praying for each other. You're holding each other accountable. You're loving each other. You're believing for each other. You're praying for each other. That's what authentic relationships do. They're risky and they're revealing. Here's number three. Authentic relationships are redeeming. Let me make a couple statements and then I'll just back it up with scripture. Placing an importance on relationships and evangelism does not remove the importance of words in evangelism. There's this big movement, right? Well, I'm just going to be a friend to people. I'll just do friendship evangelism. I'm never going to actually open my mouth. I'm just going to love them. It, that's really important, right? It's important to love people. It's important to be a friend to people. But you can't negate that you have to open your mouth and talk at some point when you're telling people about Jesus Relationships assume dialogue, words, conversation. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven here's the deal when the light in us matches the deeds that they see from us they give praise to god now you've heard people say the right things before right we've all heard christians say what they're supposed to say and then you watch their life and it doesn't match up and do you find yourself giving praise to god no but when somebody says something and then you watch their life and they're actually living that, man, you find yourself giving praise to God. That's exactly what happens. Relationships are redeeming. We should be creating relationships with people for the sole purpose of sharing our faith with them, not to bully them into the kingdom of God, not, well, I'm, I'm just establishing this relationship with you so that at some point I can share Jesus with you so that my church will think I'm amazing, but because God loves you. If he loves you, how can I not establish a relationship with you? John 17, 21, you can just jot that down. We talked about this last week. There is a redeeming element to authentic relationships because that is the verse that said when he prayed for his disciples, when they are one like you and I are one God, then the world will see and believe that you sent me. 
So when we have authentic relationships, they're not fake. They're in the light. We're not pretending. God, I hate pretending. When we're not pretending to be what we're not, we're just being who we are. There's an element of that where the world looks at it and goes, man, I think, I think there might be something to this Jesus thing. I'd like to know more about that. They are redeeming. Here's a real quick example. <laughs> it's in real life. So yesterday I'm running this half marathon in Columbia. And originally I was supposed to run a marathon in Columbia. And the only reason I was going, honestly, is because when he's dad, he's, he lives in Columbia. And so when he found out that they were having a marathon, he just looked at me because he tells all of his friends all the time that I run marathons. And he said, so you're running it, right? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> so I signed up like about a year or, year or five or ten years ago. Whenever that was, it was a long time ago. And when I signed up, I was like really running a lot. And then last year, just not such a good running year. And so the closer it got, I just, man, I just had this awful feeling like I, I don't want to run this marathon. I think I'm going to die. But I, but I told him I was coming, and, and I know he really wants me to be there. And so that relationship becomes important. Am I right? Yes. So here's what I could do. One, I could pretend like I was still running as much as I did before. And I could just go down there, and I could, like, pull the biggest loser and run for the first, like, 13 miles, and then get a van to pick me up and take me to the end and then finish strong, Right? Or I could pretend like I've been running all this time and go down there and run that marathon and just, you know, hey, sorry, Dad, it took me six hours. I, I, you know, it was my hamstring. It was my hamstring. You know, the, the sun was in my eyes, whatever. I could make excuses. Or I could just be honest and say I haven't been running. I'm going to still run it anyway. What I did was I just said I'm going to come down and run the half marathon. But we're still coming. We're still going to run. Why is that? Because the relationship matters. Because I believe that if I serve like that, if we just have truth and honesty and we value the relationship, hey, I'm, we're coming down not even to run the race as much as just to be with you. There is an element in that relationship where there will be redemption on the other side of that. I believe that. I want to invest in that relationship because I want, I want my father-in-law to know how much Jesus loves him. So, man, to get to go hang out for a weekend, it would have been better if stayed at Beaton Carolina, but, you know, still... It was a great weekend and to hang out. That's the whole reason that we went. I endured two hours of pain, and it was worth it. There's an element of authentic relationships that are redeeming. All of us can point to a relationship in our lives that was so real, we believed whatever those people share with us. Can you do that? I can. I know that I stand here today because of one, two, maybe three people. Not because they preached to me all the time. They just loved me. I mean, I was hard to love. And they put up with me. They let me hang out with them. And that alone made me want to hear what they had to say. Let me ask you this question. Who cares what you have to say? I don't mean that to sound as harsh as it does, but who really cares what you have to say? When you open your mouth to talk about Jesus, who listens? When you don't talk about Jesus, who asks? If you're not investing in authentic relationships with people that need Christ, no one. I mean, I love you guys. 
and it'd be awesome maybe kind of to go have lunch and debate, you know, like eschatology, sanctification, and redemption, and in communion, is it really just bread and juice? We could do that. But I, I want to invest relationships with pe- into people that, man, they need, they're going to hell. They need life. Saturday, you know, men are hanging out at Habitat for Humanity, working. That's what's happening down there. You're investing in relationships. We do I Love My City. That's the whole point. The point's not to get out of bed on a Saturday and not be able to sleep. It's to invest in relationships. It's to be authentic. People walk in here and we say, man, it's good to have you. We don't want to have greeters that have plastic smiles. Like that girl in that picture with the big old smile. Well, she'd be a perfect greeter, except it looks fake. But we want people that, man, it's so good to have you here. Authentic relationships are redeeming. Last, maybe the best R of all, authentic relationships are rewarding. There's two, at least two rewards um, for living lives marked by authentic relationships. The first is in 1 John 4, 16 and 17. Here's what it says. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. So whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we're like him. Let me read it one more time. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Verse 17, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. How many of you like to take tests? Nobody likes to take tests. And we've talked about that before. I mean, we have nightmares about taking tests, typically in your underwear, right? You sit there and you're like, in, in your dream, you're so unprepared. And you wake up from those dreams and go, oh, I'm glad it was just a dream. And then it hits you. You're really unprepared. Nobody likes to take tests. And this, this verse talks about the greatest test we'll ever take. It is the judgment day of God. I mean, if there's one test I don't want to fail, that's it. Right? As I was studying this for this message, I found, um, this is, I, I didn't bring a lot with me. You can Google this and find it yourself. But some journal entries from Mother Teresa. I mean, Mother Teresa, like when you think about Mother Teresa, like if anybody was close to Jesus perfect, it's Mother Teresa. And in her last journal entries, she's saying things like, God, do you love me? Billy Graham, when he he was asked this question, hey, Billy Graham, um, when you die and go to heaven, what, what do you expect to hear God say to you? And his, without even thinking, his answer was, I hope he says, well done. Dude, you're Billy Graham. I don't think you have to hope. I hope I don't follow Billy Graham, right? <laughs> like Billy Graham's walking away from Jesus, and Jesus goes, uh, Paul, next. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but here's what I want you to understand. There's an, there's an element in Mother Teresa and in Billy Graham, one, that's, that's humble, right? Two, they know it's not about them, it's about Jesus. 
But there's also this, they anticipate, man, that, it is a test. It's a test. I mean, I don't ever want to just forget that. And one of the rewards of having authentic relationships is in verse 17. It says that when we love one another, his love is made complete in us, and we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. I know that we'll be like him in heaven. That would be cool, right? But I want to be like him here. And I don't apparently get to be like him just from reading the Bible. And I know, like, I'm blitzing it through G90X, and I'm so thankful because in day 70, I finally got to the New Testament. Whew, man, I'm so glad to be reading like Matthew. But I don't get to be like Jesus from reading the Bible in 90 days. I don't get to be like Jesus when I give an offering at the end of the service. This verse says I get to be like Jesus here because I have a relationship with you. And you have one with me. The, the love of God is in me because of how our authentic relationships work out. That's an incredible reward. Living in love assures us that we live in God, verse 16, and that we look like God. According to this verse, we will have the ability to stand before God on Judgment Day without fear. That is awesome. And most of us don't anticipate standing before God without fear. Because we're not quite sure we've done enough. And this verse says you can't do enough. you just got to be authentic. Develop relationships that are based on Jesus. And you have total confidence. James 5.16, last one. And then we'll wrap this thing up. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So authentic relationships are marked by confession and prayer. In the message, here's how this verse reads in the message. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Man, that is powerful. What an incredible reward for having authentic relationships. We can live whole. We can live healed. We can actually like walk into a place like this. And, I mean, look around the room. We're really different. You could actually walk in a place where you could have a conversation with somebody, and that conversation would actually make you feel better rather than worse. Because you've had conversations with the people that make you feel worse, right? Uh, um, I didn't bring the clip from Seinfeld, obviously. It's one of my favorite shows. But they go to this party. And they know that they're going to get cornered by people that just want to talk and talk and talk. So they have this signal. That's the signal. Like, what are we going to do? Like, if I can't get out of the conversation, that's the signal. And so, like, the whole show, Elaine is, anybody a Seinfeld fan? So when I say, maybe the dango ate your baby, you know which one I'm talking about. She can't get out of the conversation. She's sitting on the couch the whole time, like, patting her head, you know, and Jerry's not seeing it. Man, we've all had conversations with people like that. Get me out of this conversation. They are dragging me down. But James 5.16 says that our conversations, because they're centered around Jesus, we never have to do that. People at the gathering will never have to do the international sign for, ah! Like our relationships will actually result in us being healed, whole, having integrity, 
feeling like, man, that was a great conversation with somebody who's just like me. We have the ability to stand before men without sin. That's what James 5.16 says. Um, what I want you to understand is that that type of authenticity is actually supposed to happen all the time. It's supposed to be intentional, and it's supposed to be daily. So you can't just have that happen. And that's really the application for this morning, is these kind of relationships that we all really want, we just can't get them the way that we want them. Because the way we want them is for me to stand up here one day and just have everybody close their eyes and have me just pray a prayer of authenticity over you. And now rise, children, and live whole lives in peace with one another. This is freaky, but I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. You know what happens? I mean, I hate to like be totally just practical. It happens with an email, a phone call, a text, um, a face-to-face. That's how it happens. And let's get together. How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? It happens by um, confession. Do you know that every revival that's ever happened on the face of the planet is marked by two things, worship and confession? People just, they just can't get enough of worshiping Jesus, and they just can't confess fast enough what they've done wrong in their lives. There was a, a school, a, a Christian school that had revival breakout, and they literally had to cancel classes for a week because they had, they, all they did was they went to a chapel service, and at the end of the chapel service, they just had this, such a long line of people waiting to get to the microphone to publicly confess their sin. And the professors were like, I don't know how to stop this. They just canceled the class that day. And then the next day, the people were back in line. Okay, no, now maybe at some point the, the students had figured out if we just go stand by the microphone, they'll cancel class. I don't know. But it, it was an authentic, genuine move of God. And they found themselves, I just, I just want to confess my sin. I just want to be right. And I, I, I want a place like that. I mean, I want a place, honestly, where somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, can I just, can I just confess? Can I just be honest about where I'm at? I've been playing a game, and I just want to be real. I want that. That happens intentionally. It doesn't happen accidentally. You can't hope that into being. So here's what you can do. Decide who you would like to develop this relationship with. Who would you like to develop an authentic relationship with? Um, let me just say this real practically. This is probably a man with a man thing and a woman with a woman thing. I could just see some of you guys. I love you guys. I can see y'all walking up to somebody. Hey, baby. I'd like to be authentic with you. <laughs> what that does is that gets you, that'll get you kicked out of the gathering. Because we're, we're not being a dating service here, <laughs> right? Um, so sometimes what I've learned is, as I've become a man, is that men hide. And the way that men hide is they don't want to be around other men. 
And I believe this is a place where men can develop iron sharpening, iron relationships with other men. And women can do the same with women. So it literally starts with deciding who you'd like to build a relationship with. I'm happy to share this story that one of the reasons why Wendy and I got married is because a wise friend of ours, after I had already graduated from Wingate, walked up to Wendy and said, of all the guys that you've known at Wingate, who's somebody you'd really like to get to know better? And she said without hesitation, Paul Jenkins. And he said, you should date him. Nope. You know what he told her? You should just write him a note. He's coming to speak, and you should be the person to write him a note and say, hey, we're excited about you coming. Can't wait to have you. Maybe we can get together and talk. And so she did, and that, the rest is, is history, and it's a very happy history. Sometimes it's as practical as that, isn't it? I mean, look around the room. Maybe the person that you'd love to get to know better, they're not here this morning. Everybody likes to get a note that says, I like you. I mean, that would make John's day, wouldn't it? I just... Send them a note, man, I like you. Everybody likes that. Because we all, if we're honest, we have enough pride that we read it and go, of course you do. Because look at me. Everybody likes me. But, but wouldn't you love to get a note, an email, a text from somebody that says, I've seen you the last couple weeks at the gathering. I just, I just want to get to know you better. It starts there. That's what you do. You take a risk. And you start to have conversation. Um, we, we'll talk about community groups until you want to puke on me. But that's another way with you can get to know people. I mean, every week, go to a community group. If you don't know where to go, ask us. We'll get you plugged into one. Um, get to know people. Make your world a little bit smaller than just in here. Just be intentional. The reality is that you have an enemy, and he does not want you to develop authentic relationships. Um, we know from John 10.10 10 that his whole game plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. We talked about this last week, that anything that pushes us apart is more than likely from Satan because God's all about bringing us near. We read that in Ephesians today. John 17.21 is the single most devastating weapon that we have against Satan is unity. Love for each other. Authentic relationships. If we develop authentic relationships at the gathering, Satan can't do anything to us. It literally is unbreakable. So we've got to know his schemes. Um, Ephesians 6.11 just says to be aware of his schemes. I want you to determine to show the love of Christ to the world by living right relationships and not settling for what seems to be authentic but is really just a little bit off. The last thing we want is for people to see the gathering and to think about those pictures that we saw earlier and go, I don't know, that dude's head's a little big. Look at the size of those hands. That can't be real. I want people to see the gathering and say, this, that's the real deal. Jesus is real there. And it's not just about in here. This is the least of what we do. It's about what we're doing out there. So I want to pray for you this morning that as you head out of here, that you would live out there for the next six days such an example of authentic relationships that people would literally be drawn to Jesus because of it I hope they come to the gathering that would be awesome but our goal is not just that our goal is that they be drawn to Jesus